Hi, I'm Sarah Grace McCandless, and this is On Brand. You know, the core of the show is really built around discussing connection between people and the companies that they engage with. And the extra layer on that that I love to lean into is also purpose, how companies are infusing purpose into their leadership, their employee experience, and their customer experience as well. Today's guest is here to talk about connection and purpose, and in an industry that I personally have such passion for and have been dying to get somebody on to speak to this industry, I can't wait to get started with this conversation. Emma Berry is a global fitness authority, and she's here to talk a little bit about the innovation edge of fitness and also how she has evolved her really impressive career in this space, in this industry, into a new endeavor called Good Soul Hunting, which she's going to talk to us about today. Emma, welcome to On Brand. So excited to be here. So, so excited. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being here. Okay, let's start with you because your background is so fascinating. I like to set the stage with my listeners and viewers. Tell us about you. Uh, Where did you grow up and how did you get into this fitness wellness world? Yeah, well, look, I'm a Kiwi living in LA and uh, pre-pandemic was commuting to Europe, UK. And uh, really, I've had a life uh, of fitness, if you like. Uh, So I was born in London, actually. Uh, Dad was the doctor and was doing his post-grad over there. Spent my whole life in New Zealand growing up. Wonderful country. Obviously, it's paradise. We're all watching how wonderfully they've, they've managed these times, and it's a great place to come from. You're on the innovative edge of, of the world, and you sort of look and travel this thing that you aspire to do. So I've had a world in fitness. Um, I went and trained in fitness in the end, worked for a wonderful company called Les Mills for about 20 years, actually, just over 20 years. We run won green cards uh, to come and live in the US, did that, and then had the awesome opportunity of working for Equinox, the luxury lifestyle brand over here for three years, uh, running the programming team. So there was a bunch of us in LA commuting to New York. So I did that for a few years and then decided I was getting called to sort of speak and, and to work around the world and really wanted to get onto that before I got too old and tired. So I managed to do a lot of consulting around the world to brands from top-end brands all the way down to, to value-based and basic fit in Europe, et cetera. And uh, have been living here in LA for the last seven years and just trying to help people really find health and happiness and bring that to millions of lives through the brands that I get to work with. So that's sort of the snapshot uh, of my life to date. I love that. Um, You know, there's so many things that you touched on there that I want to get deeper into as well. Um, You know, this idea of even what does fitness mean? Let's just start there. How would you define fitness uh, in today's world? What does that mean? Yeah, it's blending, right? So Mm -hmm. until now, and let's organize fitness. And and my deep Mm -hmm. expertise is in group fitness. So group exercises, whether that's small groups, large groups. Les Mills, of course, is famous as one of the the behemoths in the industry, really, uh, for um, taking group fitness and putting it in many, many different forms around the world. So, you know, we have huge classes, small classes, about 23 programs for kids all the way up to older adults Mm -hmm. and just really finding our way into, um, you know, how we can get more health and happiness into people around the world. So that's been my deep deep expertise. It's been relatively segregated until now. I'd say we've had gyms and we've had mindfulness and we've had nutrition. Some people have blended those things together, often through the world of of personal training, if you like. But what we're finding now is 
uh, post-pandemic is a lot of those things are coming together into something broader, which is considered lifestyle. So you've kind of got fitness, you've got the elements of nutrition, you, you do have whatever's happening in mental health, mindfulness, and you've got a, a big conversation around recovery right now, which is really driven by athletic performance, uh, brands like Tom Brady, which we hear a lot of here in the US, where really it's good that you train hard, but it's also really important that you recover hard or you recover uh, appropriately. So we're sort of seeing a blending of all these industries as well as big tech or big fit tech coming to the fore as well. So we've got connected fitness, which has really changed the the, the face of fitness, if you like, the pelotons, the mirrors, the hydros um, that are really coming in and connecting that whole experience through software, through technology, essentially, and being able to bring that to more people that perhaps the fitness industry per se, uh, we're famous for getting to the 20% of perhaps the more motivated and really broadening that out. So fitness is becoming part of a larger lifestyle pie, if you like, and uh, we have a very strong part to play in that, which we have learned through the pandemic which has been very interesting to see how we didn't have a lot of lobbying power at the beginning, but when fitness and moving was taken away, how important that has become to people, mental health, physical health, emotional health. So I see it as something that's blending with other industries um, and becoming less one-dimensional. That's an excellent definition. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I like, I'm thinking as you're talking about a very personal experience, you know, I found this sort of fitness and health and wellness a little bit later in life. I did not grow up as an athlete. Um, I did everything but sports, you know, in high school and college. I was like editor of the paper and in theater, of course. Uh, but I was a lifeguard. Still don't know how I passed that test. I just wanted it because it was the cool job, you know, to have where I, I just wanted to sit in a chair and get a tan. Uh, but I really didn't find it until later on. And when I did find it, I had a connection to what I was doing. For me, I couldn't just get on an elliptical for 30 minutes and call it good. Everybody's different. Um, so there's connection there. There's the opportunity for connection. And there's it's a very passionate industry. What do you think drives connection in this fitness world? Yes, and I think you and I are soul sisters because I know that we both have a love for dance. And mm -hmm. um, I jumped on the, the app that you recommended the other day, so I absolutely adore dance. It's the place where I transport to somewhere else. So the first thing I would say about this is it's really important for anyone who's out there, find something that you love because that is going to – then it's not – hard to create that habit it's something you want in your life it adds to who you are it adds happiness and you and I are connected in that way dance does that for me it unlocks me I do many forms of exercise actually but that's the one that's my joyful place so find that so what, what makes connection is it's a mind body connection and I'm not just meaning that in the yoga sense or the mindful sense it's where all the cells of you are light and you actually step into something that you know is good for you. So there's really four main ways that you need to move. And this is regardless of who you are, whatever you think of the fitness industry. As we move through life in order to be a fully functioning human who feels good, is somewhat in control of their body in the sense that we're, we're not getting losing energy or perhaps putting on so much weight, we just can't enjoy those things that we love in our life, our family and travel and out having adventures in the world, whatever that means to us. So what I would say is, you know, you've definitely got to have connection with something that keeps your cardiovascular moving. So that's whether that's a walk in the park or whether it's just being able to move generally. We need to hold our structure over time. So we need to stay strong. Now, whether that's, it usually involves some sort of resistance, whether it's picking up kids or a lot of people will move to weightlifting. We know that strength is one of the big trends 
for you know whoever you are um, and this is something that you can keep increasing as you get older it's not something that needs to dial down as, as we sort of move through life you definitely need a mobility aspect so we know as we get older you know just turning the head to pull the car out of the driveway or just to pick down and uh, bend down and pick up things becomes more important and then as has been absolutely on a stage during the pandemic times mental um mental health, mindfulness, being able to be in control of our emotions and to be at our best, even when perhaps the world is pushing back against us. So it's really to be connected to ourself in those aspects of the life that we live as a human being. You know, we're bipedal, we're, we're designed to move and to be out and about and, and experiencing life. And, and so we have to make sure that we look after all those systems that sit under that. Now, in, in regards to connection, we also have this human connection and that's been a very interesting conversation over the last year and that is you know can I have a connection digitally we're essentially having a connection here digitally I'm actually more connected to my immediate family my brothers my sister my brother and sister and my parents in New Zealand through the pandemic times because we now do a zoom so interesting we're not together and yet we're having deeper conversations because we've created that conversation so the connection we talk about in fitness is physical it's also the emotional and the mental connection to what you're having me do perhaps if you're with a coach or a, a group fitness leader so we really work on all those levels emotionally does it educatively make sense um, does it feel good in my body so you're trying to connect body mind goals um, personally we seek out the coaches that we resonate with with who bring the best out in us and uh, that's sort of some of the things around connection and fitness I love it. And, you know, I think connection carries so much weight in this particular world. There's it's like a seven layer dip because and you've really done a great job of breaking down the various aspects. And you're talking about dance. You know, I again, I found that later in life. I gosh, I think it's been six or seven years now that I've been going. And the first time I went, I went begrudgingly. My friend Alana took me. I was like, now I'm going to go in the back and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I guess I'll go. And I, I like live there. And the owner of the studio I go to in Portland, Vega, Evie Graham is one of my closest friends. And you also mentioned too, mental wellness. It's like the one place in the entire world where I get out of my head. And I love it. I'm so present and it's made me more present in other areas of my life. Now you also, there's obviously, there's been a huge impact this year. And there was a lot going on with digital and fitness well before the pandemic. Um, prior to my time with Sykes, I worked agency side and I worked with a lot of clients in this industry with Nike. Um, I worked on Nike Plus and the NTC app and the Fuel Band. I worked on with Bar3 and they were an online platform years ago. Mm -hmm. And then we get into 2020 and not everyone had figured that out. Um, I love what Vega did my, I mean, they really, they pivoted very well. It's hard to create that online experience and not just scramble, you know, out of panic, which I think we saw. What do you think, uh, talk to me a little bit about that impact of 2020. You know, there were things in the works beforehand that you've spoken to on this connection front and innovation. What were your observations coming out of the last year? Yeah, so look, first of all, it was an accelerant. It wasn't a new conversation, but it was an accelerant. And people like some of the brands you mentioned were quite far ahead because they'd already worked that piece out. So it really came down to just 
pouring some gasoline on that and really flipping from a live model to, hey, guys, we're actually doing it through the screen now. Here's where you find us. And hopefully not doing it for free because we all went for, ah, let's all go on Zoom and do it for free and look after it. It's only going to be two weeks. We'll be fine. And then, oh, my goodness, no more money coming in. And by the way, we actually have to create a new business model. So first of all, I'd say accelerant. Secondly, I would say it forced adoption. So, you know, I've worked with brands in the past where it's been impossible to get people to book online so that we could serve you better, so that we would have data that would now mark your preferences so that we could serve you more of what you wanted and take away the things that you don't want. So it really forced people of all age groups, right? So we had sort of my parents' age group. Um, were all online anyway, but this really took them online because if they wanted to stay in touch with their family, they really had to get their head around Zoom or some other form of of staying in contact. So accelerant, forced adoption. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we talk about hybridised or... um, I've been very passionate about talking about uh, the digital world, where you take the best of the physical world. We're in person. We, 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 there's an honesty and there's an accountability when you're working alongside people. There's a vibe uh, when you're with people, that whole social connection because we are human. So taking that, but then taking the best of digital. And what can digital do very well? It can track you. It can do things very fast like book and pay and serve up things that I might like or order my shake for me or select a nice little outfit that I think you might like, Emma, because I know what you've bought in the past and here's four things that you know that I'm going to love. So it's really bringing those worlds together uh, because that is going to be the the 80-20. That's going to be the 80% of the world going forward, I would say, where sometimes you're relying on digital. Um, You know, say I'm stuck at home with kids. So the world's beginning to come back here in LA. It's beginning to come back in London. Other places like Canada are still locked down. But you need to be able to flick between both worlds And think of it like food or entertainment. You know, sometimes we're going to go out to the big show. You know, I love to see Pink live. You know, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go to the festival. But sometimes I'm stuck at home, right, because the kids are sick or I just can't be bothered putting on a face of makeup, want to stay in my pajamas, whatever. I can still do that exercise at home. Or maybe I go out and we do something at work and maybe I choose my my two or three favourite boutique experiences or clubs that I like to go to and I go and I do that. And maybe I train with a personal trainer. So the point is, in the same way that we eat food, restaurants, groceries, have stuff delivered, make it, don't make it, is where fitness now lives. And that's really increased the reach out to people, but also what, you know, the currency of convenience I want to do what I want to do wherever I am with whoever I want anytime. And that's the new world. It's going to be a little bit mucky for the next couple of years as we work towards something being a little bit more seamless. Mm-hmm. Apple has done a great job, of course, because they own the whole arm of delivery. <laughs> but, um, you know, but that, that's what's coming for fitness, really, um, is a mix of both worlds. Well, and it kind of reflects what you were saying before, too, about the definition of fitness and how it crosses a couple of different planes there. And I think you're right that I think there are some stereotypes of fitness that um, thankfully have been retired. We're moving away from this sort of diet culture and this counting calories, weight loss only. Um, I don't even think about that. Like, honestly, when I'm at dance or yoga um, or, you know, Star Cycle, my spin local spin studio here. I am not thinking about that. I am thinking about the community that I'm with nine out of 10 times. I am certainly not calorie counting or thinking about like, and that, you know, it wasn't, I know that that still happens and maybe that serves some people, but I think 
that again, when we talk about fitness and wellness and health, it is much more holistic. And then you've got this whole evolution of fit technology. I mean, I was just out walking my dog before we got together here and I use my phone to track my steps, you know, and I was on mind body and I booked out my dance classes for the rest of the month, you know, so I'm doing this while I'm physically moving and walking. So maybe I was multitasking too much, but I do love the convenience of it. Um, you know, when we think about innovations that are, are happening right now, again, these, I love what you said, accelerant, um, it was happening and now it's happening more. So let's, let's talk about that. I want to go into that world of kind of the fit technology and talk about a new endeavor that you are involved with as chief creative soul and co-founder of Good Soul Hunting. I would love for you to tell us about that. I am already a huge brand advocate for what you're doing. I discovered this and was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant and so needed. But tell us about Good Soul Hunting and, and how you got there. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to do that. Well, look, it was one of those accidents, to be honest. Um, uh, I have part of my history with Les Mills was 10 years in, in the HR side of things, the people and culture mm -hmm. thing, where I met a wonderful uh, wealth of talent and people like that and colleagues and we we're at a, in a bar basically in London one day and, and I you know half my life had turned into introducing these people to these people and these people to these people because I'm so global and I uh, you know I, I know a lot of people across a lot of places and I got talking to some folks and they said oh look we've started up this recruitment business um, and we just got talking and as you do over a few mojitos and the rest of it and we were like this is actually a really good idea and I'm in the US they were in London and we sort of had this global footprint and we had this passion of bringing people together. And we could also see businesses that were not being accelerated, not getting the accelerant, if you like, um, because they couldn't find the right people. I was also watching the worlds begin to blend where you need to start hiring people who've been where you're going, right? Um, and that would mean pulling people from different industries. And because I was across a lot of industries, uh, being uh, innovating and on a lot of speaking circuits and really leaning into shows like the, the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, I've been going for some years now, just to get my mind blown, just to see where the world's going. So we got together and we thought, look, hey, let's, let's up level and take this search brand to the world. So we intended to do it pre-pandemic pandemic hit and it became even more obvious that we needed to get out there. Now the big pivot for us was we started off in bricks and mortar businesses and then actually quickly worked out that if people didn't have a digital footprint or they didn't have that part of the business it wasn't likely they were going to scale. So we came pretty firmly into fit tech, well tech, health tech all are blending, actually, because the health conversation and the fitness conversation are moving together as well. Um, and so we started serving the industry. Now, during pandemic times, because America, while we didn't manage the pandemic very well, is very entrepreneurial. So we found that most of our business was either American businesses wanting to scale within and beyond America or businesses from outside, from perhaps Southeast Asia, from Israel, from India, wanting to come to the U.S., now, because we were all expats, we've all lived in and out of the US, we know the difficulties of coming to this great country. And so we were able to sort of usher people in and bring them opportunities that other people couldn't. So we're an executive search brand. We serve the basically the techs, fit tech, well tech, health tech, a little bit into sports. And we've been able to really bring a lot of talent and help businesses scale very fast. We know how to build out sales teams, you know, with Lucy and Matt, our co-founders and Andrea. We, we all know that that world very well. So we, you know, we 
went through the processes you do of renaming and, you know, anyone who's done branding, you know that every good name is taken. <laughs> so we went through all of that. And in the end, we worked out, we just listened to the feedback we got from clients. And that is that you're just really good people. You really are trying to do the right thing. So, you know, we're big movie buffs, obviously. So we went with Good Soul Hunting and then built out there. One of the big advantages of la launching during pandemic times was we managed to get our hands on some really great creative talent. Another old uh, colleague of ours, Elliot, and his team was able to bring some great branding mm -hmm. and just help us build out that story and um and prove it out and we've just had a an incredible pandemic it's been wonderful for us for emotional mental uh, and also for business sense to be able to build that out during these times and really add value to teams that were struggling to grow uh during these times and really place people that have been where they're going and and at pace you know yeah i mean it's it is something I mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, I love to lean into these conversations when it's when it's there, when it's organic, where we can talk about purpose. And again, um, I've actually, I think I've used the same term, accelerant. I think that was already brewing before the pandemic. And now, you know, it's that purpose and being transparent about it. I think it's all about the resiliency that that we are really witnessing and that companies are needing to consider now. Um, and you're specifically doing this with executives in that kind of health, wellness, you know, fitness technology space. But I think there's a lot to learn about prioritizing purpose within your company. Um, what do you, like, how do you, what, what would you say other organizations besides outside of your industry? What is there to be learned there? Why is purpose important and how do you prioritize it? Yeah, well, look, it, it guides everything we do. We are literally there to help to bring people together with businesses who need them. And that's, you know, that's obviously our business. Now, we're also entering an age where the younger generation, the generation that will inherit our world, you know, the, the millennials, Gen Zs, uh, and whatever comes after them, but they, they see right through corporate bullshit. So the moment that you're not about the right reason, they're not, a, they're not a fan and they are out and they're driving massive trends and we can see that. So from a business sense, well, first of all, you need to be driving it for business results. You've got to have a purpose bigger than yourself to get yourself out of bed on those days that you'd rather not. And let's face it, we've had quite a few of those over the last year. So it's got to be that 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 relentless drive that, that pushes everyone forward and unites a team that's often disparate now. So we're often working from our homes. Maybe it's half-half. It's a hybridised working environment now. We've got some great resources coming up on this exact topic soon but you know we're having to get used to this new world so we're having to sort of push into that so purposes is great for that it's a driving force for the business also for customers whether it's clients candidate side you know if you don't have a purpose if they're not not a fan they're not going to buy in and they're certainly not going to give blood sweat and tears people have also reprioritized what's important to them during these times and they're not about you know, they don't want to back, you know, just mindless corporate uh, money grabbing and things like that. So we're definitely seeing people are like, I'm going to take more time for myself. I'm not going to invest in things that I don't believe in. I'm going to stop buying these things. You know, we're fresh out of watching Social Dilemma and Seaspiracy and all the rest of it. So we're becoming educated en masse through Netflix and others, you know, to really make more mindful decisions. So, you know, you've got to be able to hand on heart, believe in what you're doing. It's going to drive your whole team. It's going to drive business results. It's going to drive what we would consider impact. You know, we're always looking at how can we create more impact in the world given our set of resources, our set of talents, and how can we set light to your set of talents and your set of resources? So a little bit around a purpose, I think. 
Yeah, I think you hit on some great points there too. I know it's something that is really um, infused in our organization and culture well beyond just, you know, a catchy marketing slogan. That's It's got to be more than that. It reminds me of um, an interview I did a while back with Maury Fontenot, who's the founder of 822 Group, and it's a transformation consultancy that helps leaders find their higher purpose and then kind of infuse it throughout the organization. And, and she speaks to that as well, how it's it's not a marketing statement. Um, you really have to figure out what your purpose is as an organization. You know, the other thing you mentioned global and um, Sykes were a global organization as well. So um, I do see in my work, I do see some fluctuations and trends um, that may be occurring or emerging in one region, but haven't quite made it to another. Is this purpose priority global from your point of view? Um, or are there any other sort of nuances that you're seeing from a global perspective? I think purpose is traded globally. I would say if you're about the right thing, it should be at the high enough level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my colleagues, most of my colleagues have worked for Les Mills. So we were for a fitter planet. Okay, so for a fitter planet is a huge aspirational goal that fits across all countries. What differs is perhaps life cycle, social, local, cultural nuances. So that, that would be my experience having spent sort of 20 or 30 years on the road is that purpose holds, but where you are in the life cycle. So if I take fitness as an example, trends tend to break in New York and LA, you know, or it's perceived to be sort of breaking there. There's, there's a few other great ideas that come out of Asia and, and are sort of across those as well, but that's sort of where it happens. Then it kind of goes to the sweatshirt city. So you've got New York and LA, London, I'd say it's close after that. Now, if you look into Europe, London will then probably go to like Amsterdam, you know, parts of Germany. So it sort of goes there and then it will sort of trickle through the rest of Central Europe and beyond. So in terms of life cycle, if I take the connected um, fitness experience right now that's the Pelotons and all, the, all their friends where there's a digital aspect and really it's a software company but it has a fitness service if you like um, so when I look at that, huge in the US, everyone's heard of Peloton. It's sort of quoted every day of the week from most by most companies uh, for whatever reason, whether it's investment, money, impact, you know, uh, advertising, the whole thing. So that's now made its way to London and they're sort of beginning to get inroads into Germany. So at the moment, I talk to a lot of my friends in Europe and they're not really up. They've heard about it, maybe if they track some of the business development um, and the and the the pitch, the pitches and the crunch bases and stuff like that. But Really, it's a little bit slower. So that changes, but Peloton's view, you know, um, their purpose stretches across the whole world. They just haven't um, lit each market up yet because they've obviously got to deliver bikes and, and service and, you know, technology and things like that. So I'd say purpose runs across everything, and then it's there's always going to be nuances. And every brand I've worked for, some sub-brands within the brands are more popular in some places than others. Some are ready for certain things. Some aren't ready for certain things. I know that bars huge in the US. It's not as big mm -hmm. in Europe, for example. Pilates is huge in the UK. It's not as big in other countries. So it really depends on what's being developed out by that local market. And that has many, many variables, which some come from fitness, some it comes from how hard it is to get a permit in New York City. Like there's just so many variables that shape that fitness conversation, what celebrities are behind stuff, um, and then just what's the natural tendency. When we first launched Les Mills to Europe, they didn't want to work that hard. We were like these hard-ass, all-black 
type, black wearing bandana, like we were scary in the old days and people weren't ready to work that hard. Mm. Hit training wasn't a thing. So those nuances um, are always shaped and it's probably will get a little bit more. I'm not sure how Brexit's going to uh, sort of affect the world over there, but there's definitely a sort of a, a carving back up of Europe. Yeah, and it made me think too about, you know, the conversation around the sort of holistic breaking down the siloed approach to what fitness mean and what it represents. And, you know, we've certainly talked about the importance of mental wellness and mental health and certainly seeing that accelerate in 2020. I was thinking about it, you know, um, I decided it's been almost three years now that um, alcohol never, it doesn't serve me anymore. So I took it out of my life, uh, what I thought was going to be a break. And a month became two, became three you know, three and, and here we are three years later. And it has provided me with a clarity and it all fits into this puzzle of my overall mental wellness. And it's as important to me as things like dance and yoga and sleep, which I'm still working on that one. But I was thinking about this with the pandemic and I'm so grateful that I found, I started walking that path, you know, a good two years before we were we were uh, forced to stay at home and be a little bit more isolated. This was, a, this is a global pandemic. Do you see that convergence happening from a global perspective as well, where things like mental wellness are being framed up and differently in conversation and priority? Absolutely. I mean, a little while ago, mental health didn't really have a very strong seat at the table in terms of overall health. And I think, it's the one thing, and if you think about it, there's so many trends driving into that. It's the disservice we've given our youth, you know, the amount of social media and the access, the fact that they've been brought up by screens and the Kardashians, you know, essentially is where we're at right now, this whole comparative culture, this filtered culture. Um, and they take that both ways, you know, to make you look ridiculous, but also to make you look like a size zero model who's just flawless, you know, the whole thing. So we've had that damage coming at the same time as we've had the scale of digitization you know that the fact that people can you know they, they literally are living through the screens now then we've had this pandemic which has held us in place on the screens so it's just like this absolute convergence of things but mental health um, itself and it's not until we've been knocked right out of balance that we've really had to bring it right back into balance I mean we're here and we're watching the stats of COVID but are we watching the stats of suicide and, and anxiety and depression and one in four and and probably higher than that now and just some disturbing stats I saw the other day around basically the one in four will literally if we don't change things for our youth go to three and four within you know a very soon you know scale so we have not been good at, with the acceleration of technology, we have not been good at also accelerating how to improve the human condition and knowing when too much is too much and the overexposure of our kids and the unrealistic expectations and things like that. So I think for a number of reasons it's come to the fore and I think it's great that we're all putting our hands in the middle regardless of industry and actually saying how do we solve this now. We're actually working into a few projects right now specifically around mental health to be able to reverse that and you know we even in Good Soul Hunting we work with Juno for example which is a they give us benefits but they give us a choice of benefits. It might be a dance class or it might be a session with a counsellor or it might be someone delivering um, you know, organic food, which could be the, the de-stressor that you need to make your week go well so that you can be your best. So I think this, we're in this hyper-personalized world mm -hmm. where we have to sort of put things 
down for a second and say, right, what do I need to be optimally happy, to be at my best? And you mentioned one of the key ones. When I was in my Equinox days, we were doing a lot of really deep research into sleep. Now, if anyone gives you any of the choices, I would say sleep above all. Why? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a good sleep, watch me then make 100 bad decisions the next day. What I eat, who I hang out with, how much time I spend on TikTok, how much work I don't get done, you know, eating the wrong foods, you know, staying up too late, you know, all of the things, not turning my screen off before bed. Mm -hmm. um, and so start there then get into, you know, what do you need? And it's a, it's a journey, you know, and you mentioned before, you know, you now have your dance and you're booking this and you're booking that. Stop going one workout or one decision at a time. No. Start going holistically in a week. What am I doing that lights me up? What am I doing to work on my cardio? What am I doing to stay strong? What am I doing to stay social? When am I taking the screen away? When am I in nature? Now, it sounds like a lot, but once you actually place those things, it's amazing how quickly your life can come into symphony, I believe. That's beautiful. That just gave me chills. And it's so I'm like thinking about it. And like, you're absolutely right. And I really have pivoted how I look at the week ahead and taking that walk with with my dog right before we had this, this fills my soul that fills my soul this weekend. I'm actually not going to dance on Saturday because I'm taking a forest walk with a community that I found through my sobriety. So I mean, they're, they're all really interconnected as well. And um, I love how how you articulated that it really resonates with me. And I'm sure with many others, too. I do want to make sure we get to a few things. Uh, can we talk about your can we talk about your book for a minute? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I um, so I, I like buried the lead. You're also a best selling author. So uh, and I, it kind of segues too, I think, into a, a new project of yours as well that I've seen you talking about on LinkedIn. So let's talk about your book and then talk about your, what's next for you as well. Great. So um, this was a funny story, actually. We did a oh, we did my book. This is <laughs> building a boutique. So it was literally launched February before the March lockdown. So yeah. we were in London. Shoreditch, you know, I had a wonderful, um, a wonderful evening that was put on by some friends and, and sponsored by Ian Mullane at Keep Me, which is an AI powered CRM for the fitness industry. So very, very fortunate. We did this just before the sweet event in London, which is the big boutique event. Um, there are about 400 people there, I think, from the boutique and the independent sector. So this has been the area that I've been hyper personalizing and really focusing on for the last uh, few years. So boutique fitness, not to say it's just for boutiques. This is a business book. So it basically takes you through the 10-touch journey to designing a fitness studio that rocks or an experience that rocks. So it's absolutely um, fascinating to see that everything that I wrote in here holds true still today on the other side of the pandemic. The only thing I don't go into depth in, in here is the digital expression of your brand. And there's been like about 300,000 podcasts on that in the last 12 months as people sort of find their their new voice in the in the digital world. So this was uh, this was actually the result of a um, an entrepreneur's course I was doing with Dent Global, actually in London also. And one of the requirements was you had to write a book. And I was on the road was across three continents. I was like, I don't have time to write a book. And I, you get an accountability group, and they're like, write the bloody book. And I'm like, oh okay. So um, you know. You all-nighters and all the rest of it, all the things that, that go into anything that, that takes some work, managed to get this out. Uh, we managed to take it to uh, international bestseller, which I'm so proud of. And uh, 
we they moved the event on me so that was the funny part of the story and they brought it a month closer so that now meant I couldn't publish in a hybrid way I couldn't basically use this crowd that I was going to use so I had to run around find an editor find a designer find someone to help me you know get it up there and do the Amazon thing so um five weeks later we we published on Amazon so it just about killed me but it was worth it um wow. and it really I did it um it's an expensive business card, essentially. It just means everything I know is in here, and it just saves me a bunch of dinners and coffees and all of that sort of stuff because I'd much rather talk to you about how I can push your business forward, not upskill you in what I know. So this is essentially the quickest way to know me, and then I, I've worked with a bunch of people based on what this then starts in terms of a conversation for the business. So <laughs> so that's what that's, that's been doing. And then um, what's happening next, which your other question is um, really – really working with businesses. So that's given me the platform to now work with bigger brands who have bigger impact on the world because I'm really I'm really good at innovating and, and moving fast. I'm not so good if you're going to have the same discussion twice. So mm -hmm. I'm not your girl if you're that business. <laughs> See, I like to innovate and move and, mm -hmm. and work with teams that are very forward thinking and have big positive impact in the community. Yeah, well, you mentioned, um, you know, that you the only thing that wasn't in the book was the digitizing your brand in that space. And I was sitting here thinking, you know what, though, if it was you were going to have to add more color commentary to that anyway, because that's a living, breathing space. Um, it's changing all the time. So I think that maybe that was um, a happy accident in some ways. And then, you know, you just talked about like, you love to innovate, you love to move, you know, one of sort of my areas of focus is social, I help, you know, strategies across the entire customer journey, but with a, a forefront in social, and it's not a set it and forget it. Oh my gosh. I mean, what I told you three months ago is probably out of date. So it's always changing. And it, it sounds like your world is is too. And, and you're on the hunt for some pretty phenomenal um, fitness clubs and fitness uh, destinations right now too as well. Isn't that right? Yes, that's right. So I'm, I'm lining up. I want to do a big trip around the world and basically pull in the best uh, of the best and just to inspire the world, really. I mean, we've done a very good job at motivating the motivated. We've done a very average job at motivating the the non-motivated, you know, and, and I think there's so much more to run. Uh, we're big on storytelling, both in our search brand and just in my brand as well. I love to tell people stories. I've done that my whole life and I do shout outs every Sunday and I just try to lift everyone up because we have so much good to share with the world and we're so much stronger together. So that's sort of more of my personal brand, but also I, I take it into the brands that I work with as well. So I've put a big call out for, you know, what are the most mind-blowing gyms, experiences, you know, whatever. I've had stuff coming in from Thailand. I've had some hugely technological places. There's some expensive places like, like Equinox, and there's a place in Serbia that's like $30,000 for the year. So I'm really interested in what's the best hotel gym, beautiful stuff happening in uh, United Arab Emirates, you know, some amazing six-star experiences over there where money seems to be unlimited. So I'm just pulling in. I'm trying to make the world a smaller place. My equity is global and I love great things. I also love going to a massive Kung Fu camp where there's not a piece of technology in sight, mm -hmm. but you've just got this beautiful thing sort of unveiling before you. So I'm all about just revealing those things from my fitness world in order to inspire the world towards more, whether it's digitally, whether it's just in the connection, whether it's in the location, or whether it's just in the, the sheer community that's been created around this thing. So I'm just on the search for all of that right now. And I think 
all the eyeballs that are out there. Um, you know, I'm really interested in just just hearing from everyone so that I can plan a bit of a trip once we're allowed to travel again and uh, go and visit some of these places to be inspired. Well, I will be keeping a close eye on that. You know, I used to travel so much for for my role and I'm sure that that will come back. You know, I always wondered why there wasn't um, more options in airports where you tend to have like a longer layover. Like the Yotel that's in Amsterdam airport, I've leveraged. I'm like, this is brilliant because I got to rest. This is like a quick little, you know, yeah. uh, hotel experience for six hours. <laughs> you know, it was great. And I, and I would love to see that when we get back to the the more of a normal travel schedule. But um, Emma, you are just um, so inspiring. I, I love your perspective on and your expertise and how you have uh, shared with us the evolution of what's going on in fitness and also your endeavor with Good Soul Hunting, which is just so unique, but yet so needed. And I think will really serve as an example for other companies as well. Thank you so much for your time today. And I will be keeping a close eye on your travels and your next steps around the world. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. Uh, thank you so much.